This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. From the Willow Window Broadcast Center. Willow Window. Making your home beautiful again with replacement windows, doors, and decks. Online at willowwindow.pro. Now live from NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, here's Truman Jones. Good morning, everybody. It's absolutely a gorgeous morning this morning. In fact, uh, Harry Gill, I had my top. I've got one of those cars where... The top will go back, and it's a, it goes all the way back. In fact, I can see everything around me that's up above me, and this is the first time I've been able to do that in a long time. This weather is absolutely gorgeous this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I have one of those, too, that sits in the garage most of the time, and yeah, we've actually pulled it out and spun around town a time or two here recently. How's everything going with you? Everything's going well. Just, uh, I miss seeing you. I used to see you all the time, and now, since we've all retired, everybody's going their separate ways. You're out there on the ocean with Terry Hodge, and <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still just kind of uh, rolling along. <laughs> well, first of all, I appreciate that compliment, but you say nice things to all the old guys. Uh, yeah, t- Terry, uh, Terry and I are avid cruisers, but we can't agree on which cruise line to go on, so... Uh, oftentimes he heads out on his own with his wife and a couple of friends, and my wife and I go with a couple of friends on a different cruise line. But one of these days we're going to cruise together. Well, you both like to go uh, in, in the Caribbean, right? Yeah, yeah, among other places, yes. I love the I, for whatever reason I, I love the islands. It, it seems like you're just getting away from the whole world. You're you're kind of on your own that way, and uh, but for some reason. Uh, I, I have a hankering to go up into the Mediterranean. It, it, all that history and everything that goes with it is just unbelievable. Absolutely, yeah. And that's uh, on our to-do list, uh, head to the Mediterranean. You know, we've done Alaska a bunch of times. We've cruised out of Vancouver to Hawaii, been to the islands. Uh, one of the best cruises we ever took was uh, out of uh, Newark mm-hmm. up to... Uh, Bar Harbor, and north of that, uh, we went down the St. Charles River to Quebec City, Canada. That was absolutely gorgeous. So uh, if you're a a, a cruiser, put that on your to-do list. You don't have to do any planning when you're on a cruise, do you? No, you you just got to plan in which food bar you're going to eat at. (laughs) (laughs) Did you you do the black tie when you do the the dinners on the cruise? You know what, they've got a couple, we generally cruise with a cruise line called Celebrity Cruise Lines, and they have mm-hmm. a couple formal nights, uh, and they want you to wear ties and uh, sports coats and all that, but there's a, 
Vanilla men are the folks that don't do it, so it's gotten a little more relaxed. But, yeah, we always try to wear a tie, and she dresses up, as, as do our friends. She's gorgeous, of course. Yeah, she's, she's a very attractive girl. Very, yeah, she is. Very good person, too. Yeah, and then, then you have Hodge. He does the black tie, but he wears Bermuda shorts. He never has <laughs> learned what, 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 it, what it's all about, has he? No, Bless I, his heart. I, that's... Uh, that's a scary thought to see Terry Hodge in Bermuda Shores. I don't know uh, about that. Well, don't go to Sylvan Park. You'll see him over there dressed that way. <laughs> it does bother your breakfast a little bit. <laughs> now, you were one of the, uh, you've done everything, Harry. You've, you've been a superintendent of the county schools. You've, you've been principal. But the thing that most people remember you most is a coach, basketball coach, for the girls in Smyrna. And you guys were really powerful. In fact, uh, Middle Tennessee was probably the strongest of all the regions in the state of Tennessee. There's no question. Uh, you know, several times when we'd get to the state, the first round of the state tournament was much easier than what we'd played all year in District 9. You know, mm -hmm. we were in there with the great Campbell Brandon and the Lebanon Devilettes. And, of course, Ben was at Oakland and mm -hmm. Buddy Pay was at Riverdale, Pat Webb at Galton. All those teams were good. I mean... And if you were able to take them down and get through the region and the sub-state, you had a crack at winning the state championship. So uh, those were really good times. And, and you know, people don't, or, or perhaps they do, uh, don't understand that girls' basketball during that era was every bit as popular as boys' basketball. In more of, ways, it was more popular. Yeah, we used to, people would occasionally leave after our game when the boys came on the floor yeah. because we had, you know, we had good teams, and uh, uh, those were some pretty exciting days. Uh, now, let me say this. I appreciate all the compliments, but it didn't start out that great for me. I remember vividly the first game we ever played. We got beat, uh, I think it was 86 to 35, and the second game we played. Good gosh. Yeah, but the second game we played at Lewisburg, and we scored one point the first half. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, I didn't know. All I knew was tell them at halftime, what, we got to score more points, guys. Uh, I was 22 years old and didn't have a clue. That's a way to fire them up. We got one point. We got to score more points. And I think we did. I think we scored four or five the second half. But uh, that was probably the best thing that happened to me because I connected with Campbell Brandon and, uh, to a lesser degree, Fred Shelton. And Campbell really taught me the game of basketball, you know. Uh, and... The irony would be, what, nine or ten years later, we played and beat them in the state championship game. So there is a seed that is planted somewhere for coaches that can give you an idea of some of the things that you probably need to change. And I, I was watching uh, Connie Huddleston yesterday with Sherry Job and uh, a day before yesterday, and they were talking about Ben Cates being their coach and he seemed to make a big difference not only in basketball but in their lives you you have to have a very good personal relationship to get them motivated to become you know, whatever uh, their uh, abilities are and put them at the very max of those abilities and uh, I know that you coached against Ben a number of times. When you have that tough um, 
competition level and you have all these good coaches, does it bring you guys closer together in respect and all that thing? Or do you get kind of <laughs> aggravated because uh, that that's a big part of your life in, in that competitive type atmosphere? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, Campbell and I knocked heads a lot of times, and we always remained friends. We won our fair share. He won his fair share. Uh, you know, everybody, you want to beat each other. Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's what you're out there for. Uh, you, you prepare – uh, to counter everything the other team does, and uh, and I'd like to say when the when the final horn sounds and you're the victor or the loser, everybody's not happy when <laughs> when they leave. No, uh, it's fifty-fifty. Yeah, and uh, you know I've been reading some of the comments about Ben, and I completely agree. He was a real gentleman, a real nice guy, mm -hmm. a good coach. Uh, but he also was a fiery guy who was competitive. You have to be. Yeah, and he wanted to win. Yeah. And uh, uh, didn't always win, but he always, you know, he always had his teams prepared. They were always tough. And I thought on the way up here or down here that Ben Cates had some great teams at Oakland. Yeah. And part of his several that would have, if if they could have gotten through the state, would have challenged for the championship. But he was running into the likes of Lebanon and Smyrna mm -hmm. and occasionally uh, Gallatin. Riverdale would have a good team. And then he got in there with Shelbyville. I mean, it was just, you know, with a, with a few breaks, he would have had multiple teams in the state tournament and maybe would have won the state. But, you know, it just didn't pan out. But that is not taking anything away from the uh, tremendous job that he did. You guys are – there's something about – girls basketball as opposed to girls uh, men's basketball or boys and it's it's the emotional part of the game and it seems like the ladies get closer to their coach than the boys get to their particular coach uh, is is it just kind of like a man thing or the women have a more of a warm quality to them than the guys do. And I think that's part of the draw with girls basketball. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I know when I was at Smyrna High, Mr. Rakes uh, asked me a time or two if I wanted to coach boys, and I, my answer was always no. I'm happy with the girls. Yeah. They, you know, they're, they uh, seem more in tune with what your message was, what you're trying to do. They're more coachable, you know. Yeah. And – you, you always try to build camaraderie among your team. Uh, we would, for example, uh, we would go to camp two or three times every year, and they'd stay in the classroom, mm -hmm. uh, and we'd play 12, 14 games in a week's time. I remember one summer we played 60 or 70 games between mm -hmm. the end of uh, school and the start of the next school year. And, you know, you, you always preach. First of all, that naturally brings them closer together. Yeah. You know, they're they're – Saddled in a room, they got to be friends, and I don't remember anybody ever came saying that uh, Joni and Susie can't get along. They're causing problems or anything like that, and it's probably because they know I wouldn't tolerate it, uh, nor would most of the other coaches. So, uh, girls to me are just more coachable. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. you know I think they are have a 
typically have a level of respect for their coach uh, that translates into results oftentimes. How much did Pat Head change basketball in the state of Tennessee? I know that one of the things that she did and mandated that they go from three-on-three to five-on-five. You had three uh, defenders and three offensive players. And I enjoyed, to be perfectly honest, I enjoyed both ways. It, It was just something... The ladies, when they got on the floor, they were 100% committed, and then they didn't want any of those other players outdoing them. Yep. And then they just had a fiery spirit, and you you don't really we didn't associate that with the ladies back in the older days. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. People, listeners, and other sports fans may not even know that the game of girls basketball used to be what we called six on six. Mm-hmm. It was uh, there were th- your three defensive players were on one end guarding the other team's three offensive players and then mm-hmm. vice versa, and you couldn't those six couldn't cross the center court line nor could the other six cross it come back the other way, and you think oh my goodness what a game that must have been, it, but in retrospect that was a tremendous game I mean yeah. it's exciting, uh, you know proud to say we got the state championship game and multiple other teams got the state playing six on six. So it was kind of heartbreaking that we would change to uh, five-on-five full-court basketball. And the driving force behind that was probably Pat Head. Yeah. You know, she implied, uh, probably rightfully so, that they were going to recruit players from other states because, you know, if you can't go full-court, you can't play at Tennessee. You know, we don't Mm -hmm. really know what your talents are. We can't capitalize on your talents. So – and I think it was 1979 or 80, 79, I believe, we went to five full court basketball, yeah. which, uh, you know, everybody was kind of tore up about it. And there were a lot of people say, oh, I'm not going to coach anymore. But ultimately what happened was the same teams that were successful in six on six, mm-hmm. you know, the Shovelvilles and the Lebanons and the Mount Jews and the Smyrnas became successful five on five. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate we won the state in 82. I think Campbell got to the state finals a time or two then. Uh, of course, Rick Ensel, what he did was phenomenal. Uh, but it would, in retrospect, probably the best thing for the game and the best thing for the players. Was there really any difference in the coaching, say, between you, Rick, Ben, uh, Campbell? Uh, you guys coach a lot of the same ways uh you know that it, it, you ha- you had a respect from your ladies that that played for you during that time but that time that rick had all those years at Cheveville was when it went in the state championship that's almost uh, it, it's almost unheard of especially with all the the great girls that have played in the middle tennessee area yeah uh, yeah, what they did was phenomenal. I think he really stretched it out where AAU became a bigger part, and uh, the program was really. I mean, first of all, Rick and Coach, mm-hmm. there's no question. But uh, he expanded the way you do business. Uh, also, I think his program got good to the point where people occasionally would want to transfer legally 
into shovelville to play basketball for real. That's pretty common in all sports, isn't yeah. it? So yeah. So I, I, he picked up some better athletes. And you know the old saying, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. I don't care what kind of coach you are. You, if you don't have decent players, you're not going to produce like he did or, or Campbell did or Mount Juliet did or Smyrna did. So I, th- I think uh, the schools that were successful or the coaches that were successful, they probably were – you know, I always thought I wasn't going to settle for mediocrity. You know, you're yeah. going to insist that you do it right. If you can't do it right, you're not going to be on this team. And I know Ensel was that way. Campbell was that way. I'm sure Ben was that way. Uh, many, uh, you know, those are some of the points of success. Here's a text from Hodge. <laughs> Uh, he says, I'm sure Harry will tell you I was his best school something member. School. See, he just liked that. I'm reading this text from Terry Hodge, and it's so broken up. There's no, <laughs> he doesn't follow the English language properly. Uh, where did you have Terry? I mean, how, how did you get to, to know Terry? Up from the school board. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad I did get to know Terry. I, I'm th- sitting here thinking about him being the best school member, though. School board member, I don't know. I, I, there's two or three that rank right up there with him. You did have some really good support back then. And a lot of what happens in our, in our schools will depend upon the type of school board members that you have. If they're very supportive... It makes your job a whole lot easier, doesn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, you got to sell them on what you, on you. Yeah. I mean, you know, if they believe in you, they're more prone to go along. Like I used to tell the principals, can't lead a, a herd of cattle of water if they don't want to go. So you had to, you know, use a little persuasion, spell things out, show them what you're trying to do, show them what the end result will be. But uh, yeah, I, I was pretty fortunate. I had some good school board members. I had two or three that I wasn't crazy about, but yeah, you know, you, you get those too. Yeah, you have no choice about that. But I was there that night that you decided you was going to walk out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I, I, I looked around, where is Harry? Where is he going? And um, you 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 were having a, um, a hard time with some of them that particular night. And I thought you did a, a – that was probably what you needed to do at the time because – if they're not supportive of, of what you're uh, proposing for that year or the next school year, it's I have been through that. It's very difficult if you're not getting the support that you need and you're able to provide them all the data that they need to make a decision with, and they still won't do it. Mm-hmm. That that Being a school superintendent is pretty, pretty tough. In yeah. fact, I think it's tougher now than it's ever been. I'm sure it is with uh, COVID. Uh, yeah, you know, for example, as fast as Rutherford County was growing, we were having to rezone virtually every year. And, you know, you you would have a what, a preliminary meeting on the, on the new zoning policy, and everybody would kind of be in sync. And then suddenly you'd have the actual meeting where parents and, and uh, children would come to the meeting. We typically hold it at a, at a Blackman High School or a Seagull or somewhere where there was a big uh, gathering place. And, and once those people got to speaking up, the politician came out and some of the school board members, and they want to change the doggone zoning that we'd worked on for so long. 
and it was just a hard pill for me to swallow, you know, and I'm thinking, we just talked about this last night. You guys were in favor of it. Now they want me to go back and rework the whole deal. Uh, and I'm sure that their intentions were good, but uh, you think so? They didn't sit well <laughs> with me all the time. I, I, it, it was just, hey, I know that you noticed it, but when they first started putting cameras in the rooms at the county commission and, and school board and, and all of that, People were more willing to jump up and just say whatever they felt oh, yeah. like that, that might make them more popular. <laughs> and it, and it, it was a way to uh, kind of look forward to the next election year and all that stuff. That's hard to deal with, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it certainly is. I still remember when uh, uh, when I was there, Mr. Ed Jordan, who I love dearly, was the oh, yeah. chairman of the board, and he said... Uh, well, it looks like we're going to be filming the board meetings. I said, I guess we all better go out and buy us a necktie or two. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he hit it right on uh, the button. <laughs> he did. It. And as you say, uh, the meetings changed because uh, I think they were better groomed and they they were <laughs> they had their talking points ready. But, you know, that's natural. That's, yeah. That goes right on up to the United States Senate. You know, they all get in front of a camera. They'll all say anything. You did have to bring them up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I take that back. Can we can we back? Yeah, that? we need to. Get, <laughs> that, that's a sore subject with me. This this country seems to be. How in the world can we find so many incompetent people to run this country? It just it blows my mind. I think it's like when you go to the beach and one of these planes flies and they got a, they're dragging behind a message and it's yeah. looking for incompetent politicians. We're good. We're getting a lot of music to tell us to take a quick break. I think that Brian may be afraid they're going to drop a bomb on the radio station. All right, we'll be back. At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't. It's what our members tell us we do every day. Whether it's a loan for a car you need to get to work or saving for the future, let us see if we can help. If you live, work, worship, or attend school in Rutherford, Bedford, or Marshall Counties, you can be a member of Heritage South. Visit our website, HeritageSouth.org, to learn more. Insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Discount Mattress is in its new home, 1647 Northwest Broad Street, next to Pinnacle Bank. We've been telling you about their moving sale, and now they're settled into their new home, and the savings are still big. That's right, no need to wait on Memorial Day sales to start. At Discount Mattress, save hundreds right now. Their new warehouse at 1647 Northwest Broad Street, stacked to the ceiling and ready for same-day delivery or pickup. Discount Mattress, in their new home, 1647 Northwest Broad Street. All right, guys, this is Scott. I want to encourage you to make your health a priority. It's easier than you think at Low T Center. They are reinventing the doctor's visit, making it quick and easy to get all your levels checked, not just your testosterone levels. They offer a comprehensive health assessment so you know all the numbers that are important to your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, lack of motivation and drive, have noticed a weight gain or a loss of muscle mass, these could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. It all starts with a quick and easy health assessment, and it's covered by most health insurance. Low T Center is concierge medicine exclusively for us men, and they now offer monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments. 
providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety, including a take-home blood pressure monitoring cuff. Self-inject at-home treatments are $135 a month for self-pay or covered by most health insurance. To schedule your health assessment, go to LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. MTSU Arts, together with Ascend Federal Credit Union, presents the MTSU Dance Program's Spring Concert. Our talented students and faculty are working together on safely bringing this performance to the Tucker Theater stage from April 22nd through April 24th. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts for more information on virtual showtimes. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts to learn more today. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. In observance of Memorial Day, City Hall and most other city offices will be closed Monday, May 31st. Some recreational facilities will be closed Saturday, May 29th and Memorial Day. Rover, the city's public transportation system, will not run Memorial Day. St. Clair Street Senior Center will also be closed. For a full list of what is and what is not open, head over to our website, WGNSRadio.com. A free food box distribution will take place at the Murfreesboro Community Church this Saturday at 11 a.m. Food boxes will be handed out on a first-come, first-served basis until they're all gone. No pre-registration is required for the Bread of Life event on May 22nd. Well, if you live in Rutherford County and are planning a June wedding, chances are you'll be saying goodbye to your single life in Nashville. Nashville is the nation's top destination for bachelor and bachelorette parties. The National Bachelor-Bachelorette Planning Service, called The Batch, reports Music City has held the title for the last three years. Nashville followed by Scottsdale, Arizona, Miami, and Las Vegas in the top three. This year's Bachelor and Bachelorette Party season is expected to be the biggest in history, following all of last year's COVID cancellations. May 21st is being designated International Tennessee Whiskey Day. The designation comes after Tennessee General Assembly passed a resolution earlier this year that says the day celebrates and acknowledges the many contributions of the state's renowned distilling industry, its people, and products that help fuel Tennessee's economy. Governor Bill Lee signed the resolution last week. When news breaks, we tweet it. Follow us on Twitter at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street, across from the tall NHC building. We've expanded our store. We've increased it about 600 square feet. We would just be very excited for everybody to come check us out. Proceeds from sales benefit Greenhouse Ministries, a faith-based nonprofit serving the underserved here in Murfreesboro. We were able to put merchandise into our store that we previously haven't had displayed. Maternity clothes, scrubs, activewear, pajamas. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street in downtown Murfreesboro. Whether you're a student, alumni, or just a fan, Raider Tees has exactly what you need to help you cheer on the Blue Raiders on game days and every moment in between. We sell officially licensed Blue Raider gear. Whether it's clothing, hats, flags, chairs, or just whatever, we have it all, including exclusive gear you won't find anywhere else. Like us on Facebook for updates on new Blue Raider gear and special prices or discounts. For all your Blue Raider gear, shop Raider Tees today. Bigger, better, and go blue! 
Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-80s. Southeast winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear skies, alone near 58. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 71. Classic kid movies are back this summer at Premier 6 on Broad in Jackson Heights. $5 tickets include admission, drink, popcorn, and candy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for classic kid movies all summer. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Now, back with Harry Gill, and we've been talking off the air, and one, one of the names that I always bring up when we start talking about the superintendent's office is Joyce Michaels, and we were talking about her and how special she was over the years. And and, uh, anytime I needed to find you, I could find you no matter where you were. Yeah, I was in the the office working. It wasn't hard to do. Oh, come on, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) What what was your golf score that day? (laughs) And, of course, I'm just teasing. You can't. Those are jobs that you have to be there almost 24 hours a day because it's constantly changing no matter what you do, especially when you're dealing with young people and parents. It just, uh, it's it's, um, it's almost, it's a blessing like you're in heaven, and then it's a nightmare (laughs) when you're in the other place. Um, What were some of the more difficult things you had to the challenges that you had with Rutherford County, because I know one of the things was the growth. I mean, it was firing up when you were in. Yeah. Yeah, I would say certainly the number one challenge was growth, you know, growth and funding. Yeah. Uh, When you have kids pouring in, uh, you have to build schools. And, uh, you know, for example, the last thing that I personally had, personally did before I left was get the county commission to approve I think it was forty nine million dollars for uh Stewart's Creek High School during a recession. Yeah. But I think during my tenure we built mm, I believe nine or ten schools and did six additions. Well that's a lot of money mm-hmm. and a lot of burden for the county commission to find a way to fund. You uh, had to sell not only the board but the commission also. Yeah, absolutely. It's a little easier sell sent sell the board because they were aware all these kids are coming that we need something other than portables you know we i'm proud to say we eliminated a lot of the portables yeah that's a uh, good thing pursuant to them not being safe for kids that somebody given the you know as a sheriff given these days and times that you know they're nuts running around out there with guns they can yeah. walk up to a portable break in and do whatever uh so that was certainly a a, a big challenge for us uh and uh, then you had to have your operating budget, you know, and Rutherford County, believe it or not, was one of the lower funded schools in the state. And I'm not blaming anybody on the commission or any any, uh, any of those folks for that. I mean, the state didn't adequately fund us, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. 
and ultimately that money comes from the taxpayer and nobody wants their taxes raised so there was kind of a quandary with respect to how they ought to fund us but those were two of the bigger challenges of course you had test scores i mean you know we started with no child left behind and everybody has to they you know they say you're going to graduate 92 percent you mm-hmm. know you can't get 92 percent of the kids to come to school how are you going to graduate them but you had to find ways to do that academics uh were an incredible challenge uh we had to for example during my tenure john ash told me one time said do you have any principals you've hired i said no i have no don't have a clue he said you've hired 39 Ooh. well there weren't 39 people that were ready to be principals you know yeah I mean, you know you kind of thrown them to the wolves and uh, it was a real challenge for them for me and for our staff to make sure that they're effective as leaders but uh referencing back joyce michaels was uh, an incredible she is an incredible lady yeah uh and uh you know, she started with Jerry Gaither. I can't even remember when that was. That would have had to have been around the mid-'80s or something. Yeah, and, at least that Yeah, yeah at least and, that long. And I ran into Mr. Eulen Watson yesterday. We were talking about Joyce, and, you know, she had Mr. Gaither, Mr. Carlton, Dr. Ragsdale, Mr. Watson, Harry Gill, uh, uh, Don Odom. Spurlock, she had all, you know, she worked for all of us. I mean, that's that's a heck of a tenure. And uh, she was one of the more calming people you could see. And she just knew how to handle people. Yeah. Uh, recently, she she had a health issue. And uh, my wife, Leanne, and I took a uh, three-year-old granddaughter, Paisley, out there and spent about an hour and a half out there. And we had the best time. Good and for she, you. Yeah. And she did, too. And She got the most beautiful smile. She oh, loves, yeah. Yeah. And she had she she just uh, you can see the love in her and the caring just yep. by being around her. Yep. And she's a rare rare person. She is, and she really mastered uh, the qualities of a good administrative assistant. You know, she knew what to do. You yeah. can trust her. Uh, you know, she knew stuff before anyone else. You know, like for example, if you're about to hire a principal for Seagull High School or Oakland, that's a big story. Yeah. She would know it, and you could guarantee that it wouldn't no one else would so were you still there when the math started changing and becoming much more complicated than it ever was and it it, it has caused such a a problem in the in in the classroom and i know my brother mike uh he he, he became so uh, aggravated with what was being forced on the schools not only that but uh also, history is changing, and all the other things. Yep. Uh, how in the world, with with some of the things that you can see that are not accurate, or maybe uh, becoming more stressful for the kids in the classroom, how in the heck do you fight that? Because you've got the money being would be held if if you don't want to accept what they're passing down in those things. And that seems to be one of the more dangerous things that's going on in our schools, and it's affecting a whole lot of things as far as how the kids look, say, maybe even to our country in, in history and, and all the things that are being forced on people who know better like you. How in the world can you fight those type things in this system? Yeah, you know what, it's amazing that somebody ascends to a commissioner's job or 
or a job of authority and they suddenly think there's a better way to teach people mm-hmm. teach kids the best the best people that know how to teach kids are teachers yeah uh i'm not saying that different strategies shouldn't be implemented but it seems like a lot of strategies go full circle they'll try this they'll try that and then they'll go back to the methodology that they once used mm-hmm. and uh that's been true for a while i haven't talked to uh, i don't talk to bill spurlock very often uh, i know he was a excellent principal at oakland and i talked to mr odom periodically when he mm-hmm. was uh, uh superintendent but uh I, I think they've encountered the same things that i did and the same yeah. thing you're talking about and hey, we need to change the way we teach math we need to change the way we do this uh and ultimately uh teachers know how to teach yeah and uh, the ones that don't, they might need a little help. But uh, one of the things we did, we kind of started with Mr. Watson. And I know Mr. Rakes was doing it at Smyrna High, uh, and I was doing it at Cedar Grove. We did set up pro- professional uh, learning communities, and Bob Aker at Middle Tennessee, he was instrumental in that across the country. Mm-hmm. But basically what they are is that you require teams, like the fourth grade team, the fifth grade team, the third grade team, to meet weekly or uh, bi-weekly and sit down for an hour and talk about strategy, what's working, what's not working, mm-hmm. uh, set up goals and give you some kind of written report to confirm that they are in fact doing those things. They're just not, they're just not sitting in there playing checkers or something. Yeah. And the people that were doing that got the best results and, uh, and got the, had the best test scores. So point being, teachers know how to come up with instructional strategies to be effective. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Mr. Watson started, and I kind of finished it off, uh, where we had required professional learning communities in the county schools. And, you know, if you look at the results we got, you know, we had great results. Rutherford County was a, an exemplary school district, which means they were among the top few in the state. For academics, the graduation rates went up. And really, it goes back to teachers were instrumental in, in how we did business. Well, Rutherford County, in my, from what I have read, uh, is right at the very top level in the state of Tennessee, and and has ranked has been probably more successful than any other county community uh, in the state of Tennessee because. Rutherford County takes its um, education process very serious, and we've had so many great uh, superintendents. And, and uh, you, I've seen you work with the county commission, and I've seen you work uh, with the school board. And uh, sometimes you have to be very adamant about what the needs are and the process that's going on, and nobody sees it like the superintendent does and and all the information that that's filtered to him from each school that that that's a that's a tough process isn't it yeah it absolutely is and you know i think uh uh and i know mr watson was hard driven as well but i think we had a clue what it took to be successful mm-hmm. and we were unwilling not to be successful and the county commission had to play a part in that you know they had to fund us they had to you know they're they're better equipped to have help us if they had an understanding. So, you know when I went down there for a 280 or 290 million dollar budget, you know we were already bare bone. We couldn't cut yeah. more. And 
I wasn't going to leave there until we got that money uh, or until we got that school. And uh, uh, I think Mr. Watson was pretty much the same way. And I'm sure Bill Spurlock is too. But, uh, uh, you know, just whatever it took, we weren't going to backtrack. I mean, you dealt with it being the sheriff. You knew what you needed better than anybody in the county. And, uh, I did, but you got all the money. <laughs> you got 80% of the entire budget, and I sitting there uh, with a nickel and a dime every once in a while. Well, <laughs> well I, I don't understand that because you're a very charming, handsome young man. You should have. You See, there you go. That's how you got it. <laughs> you were telling all of them. Just, they were all preening. Well, you get more of what, what you said something one time that I've told a buddy to a mine. I said, you said I was like the Pied Piper, which was pretty flattering. He said, go in and strike up the flute, and they just follow suit. Uh, I don't know that that's true or not, but it, I got a good chuckle out of it. I think it was because... When they had you so aggravated, you couldn't stand it anymore. I, I would see that uh, blood blood pressure level just going all the way to the top of your head, and uh, and uh, they knew it. Well, it's time to back off a little bit. Well, it seems to me like I saw you like that once or twice too. Most of the time, I was that <laughs> way. <laughs> but you you know, we were very fortunate. We we were we we live in the best community in the world. And we had a, a a lot of supporters and a lot of non-supporters, but it was um, we were in the best of times, Harry. We really were. I, I, this this community was the best community to uh, be brought up in, and uh, we had great leaders way before us, and we were just we were blessed. But Smyrna is a community. All in itself, isn't it? There's no other community like Smyrna where you grew up. Yeah, Smyrna's a pretty neat place. Matter of fact, here, uh, I guess it's been about a month ago, they did a uh, a segment the town of Smyrna did on Seward Air Force Base. Yeah. And Coon Victory headed it up and asked me uh, if I would speak to what life was like at Seward. My dad was stationed there, and uh, there were three or four others on the panel. And uh, it was very interesting, you know, life on the on the Air Force Base. And when they shut down and when the base closed down in 71, a lot of people thought Smyrna was, that's it, it was over with. Oh, yeah. It going to dry Remember up. it well. It was going to dry up and have cactus and other non-growth plants growing. And it uh, didn't turn out that way. You know, Smyrna's now, golly, I don't know what the population is now. It's close to 50,000, I guess. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, got road projects going on left and right got uh, businesses coming to town you know who would ever thought you saw the business areas on Sam Ridley out there but it's uh, you know it's it's a place uh, you know you raise kids you don't have to ever leave town you get food you get you know you get gas you can get necessities you wouldn't ever have to come to Murfreesboro or Nashville like we used to when I was a kid growing up the the roots there are very deep in Smyrna and the leadership it seems like it it never changes because there's so many quality people you're talking about Coon Victory Coon could have been very successful in politics itself except uh, where he worked they didn't really want him to get involved in politics but now his daughter Mary Esther has done a just a tremendous fabulous job there and uh, 
your uh, uh, replacement, Brian Hercules, is, is is doing a good job as the city manager. And uh, I guess that particular part of the, the politics will not change for a while because Smyrna is large enough to have a city manager, and it's going to continue to grow. The, the, the thing that most people are, are watching right now is things like we were talking about schools. The schools are costing a lot more to build right now than they ever have been. And with the growth just continues to grow, it, it, it's amazing how in the world are we going to afford all of that as, uh, as we go through the years. And, and they're already having to plan for more and more schools. I don't, yeah, that's, that's a very fair question. I, I know, for example, I mentioned that last year I was a superintendent, I think uh, it was 2012, but we'd already started on Stewart's Creek. I think they agreed to fund it. It took about two and a half years to build. Somewhere around 2010, it was 40, 47 or $49 million. And I understand three or four years ago when they funded Rockvale, the same school as Stewart's Creek, it was $77 million. So it increased by close to $30 million in seven years. Yeah. And, you know, we're continuing to pile on debt in the county. Uh, you know, but it, it's a necessity uh, that you build schools, but it gets but harder. But growth doesn't pay for it. No, it doesn't pay for itself. You know, of course, we're in a society now where you just borrow and spend all you want. Yeah. And, uh, pretty crazy. But at any rate, uh, you know, we've got pretty responsible people at the uh, commission level. And uh, I know Ernest was, uh, Ernest Burgess was uh, fiscally responsible. He was a smart man. I mean, yeah. he, he tried to keep things under wraps as best he could at the same time, recognize, hey, they got to have schools. they got to have money. The sheriff's got to have cars he's got to have patrol officers uh but you're right growth just does not pay for itself and uh you know you don't want to tax yourself you know out of construction or people coming to your community so there's a fine line on how you pull all that off we've been doing having schools uh grade school high schools uh really the process of kids going to school at certain times and all that it's changed very little hasn't it but there's really not we will never get into a virtual type situation again i hope uh kids can't learn unless they they're eye to eye with the teacher and and they're in, in a certain environment um there's no way we can get beyond that, is there? No, they, they, they've got to find a way to get kids back in school. Uh, people that, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but people that qualify for a vaccination need to get vaccinated, I think. Uh, you need to offer teachers protection from that capacity. Uh, but, yeah, they've got to get kids back in school. I'm hearing now, and I thought it was pretty interesting, that now in lieu of a snow day, uh, they, they may have a, a virtual day. And uh, who's bringing that up? My son told me that. So, <laughs> so that may not be a real credible source there. But uh, no, we, we I mean, the, the bottom line is we got to get kids back in school. And, yeah. Uh, uh, sooner rather than later. I, I think that by fall we'll have everybody back in the classroom. What has changed the schools more than anything else? Um, when you and I went to school, of course, I was well before you. Um, school was fun. 
we had a great time. That's where you learn all your social skills and and things like that. But you got you have other things that are being brought up now. I think that uh, um, technology has made a major impact, whether it's positive or negative, on our school system, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, just look at. Look at like a three-year-old. I was telling you about uh, the Paisley granddaughter. Mm-hmm. You know, she's sitting over there. This she spent the night last night. And good for you. You're yeah. lucky. Yeah, <laughs> she was over there playing on the iPad this morning. Oh. Can navigate through it and and you know stuff that we never would have thought. And knows how to FaceTime on a phone. And you know that kind of trickles into the schools too. I mean, you know, uh, there are so many programs written now for kids with disabilities. Mm-hmm. That enhances their learning opportunities. Yeah, that's really you know, good. The iPhone is something that kids that can find instructional material that's helpful. So, uh, is yeah. that good or bad? I think it's good. I absolutely think it's good. I mean, if you're not sitting there just, you know, chatting on the phone or talking to your friend or texting them or mm-hmm. playing uh, Mortal Kombat or whatever it is, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I know Little Mario was what my son and I used to play a little bit. Where they kind That's of a out. long time ago, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the last time I was yeah. on there. But anyway, yeah, we're in a technological evolution here, and it's going to continue to change. you got guys like Elon Musk coming up with stuff all the time. I don't, I don't know who knows what they'll be able to do. And it's pretty amazing. I know at Central Magnet, you know, they've won national contests. I was a few years back. They, they had, were what? Rated fourth or fifth uh, in the nation. Right, yeah, top school in Tennessee. Yeah. But I remember reading where they had were able to build a car that went across the entire United States on a gallon of gas or something like that. I mean, you know, when I was in high school and you were, I don't think we were trying to, you know, we we're trying to come up with enough money to drive our car around town. No, we just wanted to borrow the car from Daddy <laughs> so we could take somebody out, or, or you know, out, out the good old days. Oh yeah. But but I see, um, they're they're smarter in a lot of ways than we are, but in some ways, we seem to have a better memory and able to associate, especially in math and things like that, because we had to memorize so many things mm-hmm. during that. We did, we couldn't rely on technology to do our work for us. So I guess technology-wise, they're much wiser than yeah. we were. But in in the other ways, it's it. How many people, when you go into a restaurant and you give them money, can make change without <laughs> without hitting something? Without, they can't without do a it. Calculator. They can't do it. No, it's difficult. It yeah. Is, yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty crazy. Uh, uh, you made a point, and I wanted to respond to it. And I've, I've drawn. I did. I've, <laughs> I've drawn a blank. Can you imagine that? No, I can't. I was thinking. Oh, as you were talking about education and what we do and don't know, and you know how much, you know, the curriculum is now much more rigorous. You know, you're right about adding, subtracting. Uh, uh, from a dollar bill or, or those kind of things. Of course, they, now they learn different things in math than we ever thought about learning. Mm-hmm. But I remember that show being on uh, television, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Yeah. And I tuned in a time or two, and I thought, I better not watch this. If people, if people see how... I lost every time. <laughs> <laughs> I better change channels here. So anyway, 
uh, curriculum has really advanced to what, what was when we were in school. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You see, you went to school at Smyrna. Yes. Uh, has it really advanced more? Because you got guys were all bright, you and Joe and all the bunches there. I, I, I know that, and you, you were more social. I can remember you going in Busters and places like that. <laughs> what, 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 what in the world is the the the, the little sign that you just made towards me? <laughs> oh man! Didn't we have fun though? Oh yeah, we had a blast. Uh, Joe, I, I was thinking about you were talking about driving the car. I remember and, and Joe was a is a a hero he went to vietnam yes yes got agent orange he struggles with that right yeah. now and has to have help at the va bless his heart quite often yeah but i, I remember when he uh he got uh, told my dad said hey dad i got my license let me drive let me drive the car and dad said okay go ahead so he gets in the car and he backs up well he backs one of our cars into our other car we only had two <laughs> wrecks them both at the same time and my dad runs out and heard the bang and he goes out and Joe's in the car. My dad was a, a man. He was a great man. He was uh, yes. the, the base sergeant major. He said, that, that's the number one guy. Yeah. Uh, that's Sarge, a lot of people, if they don't know what sergeant major is, he's the one who makes all the yeah. calls. I think we had I think we had three or four at Fort Bragg, and you know how big that base yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he had quite a bit of responsibility. He was hollering at Joe, get out of the car. And Joe said, no. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, finally Joe got out of the car. I don't think he was too rough on him. but uh, Being a son of a sergeant major is not an easy thing. Oh, no. No, no. He was, he was, he was. I made E9 under my sergeant major. He was highly competitive. Yeah. You know, and I think that's all three of his boys got yeah. that competitive edge. I, one of my favorite stories about my dad, we had a, a really good team one year. We ranked first in the state, 23-0, and 0, and we got beat. Hmm. And uh, he came to me after the game. He was upset because we'd gotten beat. He, he didn't like to lose. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me. He said, you're the dumbest damn coach I've ever seen. <laughs> and I said, well, I can't be that dumb. We're 23 and one. And he just turned around and walked <laughs> off. And uh, Wait a minute. Let me delete that last part. <laughs> oh, I can't say that. Word. Oh, I'm sorry. Have... I don't have a button. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was quoting someone else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, those were those were fun times though. But yeah. I, we laugh. I laugh about that. He was an E nine. Yes. And uh, I was telling you that my sergeant major made me uh, an E nine. Wow. Yeah. He busted me three times. <laughs> <laughs> I went from an E three back to an E three. I mean, back to E one to E three. That's funny. Yeah. But there's something about the personalities of Sergeant Majors. He 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 did like me. I mean, I've worked with yeah. him and a general and three colonels and all that stuff in the in the office. But uh, I did things that kind of like if you've seen the movie Stripes. Oh yeah. I was like that bunch <laughs> right there. <laughs> Oh, but it it was uh, there was something being in the service is really uh, a learning experience because you get to meet people from all walks of lives and and you you get to um, become friends with them. And and that's pretty special. Yeah. And the the but 
the base that we had, Seward Air Force Base, was one of the best in the country as far as I'm concerned. And when you see how many people that were stationed at Seward Air Force Base, their families all end up here, mm-hmm. that tells you something about our community. Yeah, it really absolutely. does. And, yeah. and how much they gave to the community. Yeah, there's a ton of Air Force presence still in Smyrna and influence. Uh, yeah. And it's pretty cool, you know, and uh, they turn out for events and, you know, uh, they've got uh, a memorial down there at Seward and there's all kind of cool stuff. You were talking about the base sergeant major. My mother used to, obviously, my dad died in 94 mm-hmm. and my mother passed last year. She was 98, but she used to talk mm-hmm. about my dad. Uh, and when you were telling your story about your relationship with your sergeant major, she used to say your dad had the ability to chew someone out and, Ten minutes later, he'd be hugging them and tell them he's proud of them, but we're going to do, you know. Yeah. And I think that's a, apparently a trait of a sergeant major or something, you know. But uh, he, Even the generals respect sergeant majors. Yeah, I think so. And a lot of the, the responsibilities that are passed down through the sergeant major, that's what really will run a base wherever you, you may be stationed. That's, that's amazing. Where was he originally from? Ohio. That's how I became Ohio State Buckeye fan. He still swears that he knocked the end of the uh, Ohio uh, Ohio Stadium out when he ran a fullback touchdown one time. Wow. At the horseshoe. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> My dad actually lived in a little place called Flushing, Ohio, which had about 1,000 people, and it's about 70 miles from uh, Wheeling, West Virginia. Or, pardon me, about 30, 35 miles from Wheeling, West Virginia, about 70 from Pittsburgh. And he raised the three of us to see, uh, to be Ohio State football fans and Steeler and Pirate fans. And I remember the first baseball game I ever saw. I was five or six. He took me to Forbes Field in Pittsburgh to -hmm. see the Pirates play. But uh, uh, so I have remained Steeler fans and uh, Ohio State fans, as has, was my brother Jay. Now, Joe's he's a Titan fan now, mm. uh, which is okay because my dad's not around anymore to straighten him out. But uh, uh, That's why you like Bill Kennedy so much. Bill Kennedy was from Pittsburgh. Oh, was he? Yes, he was. was yeah, he was uh, uh, brought down to play at MTSU. Uh, he, he was a heck of a football player back yeah. in, and the number one wrestler. In, in Pennsylvania. Wow, I, did, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, and uh, his both his sons uh, were national champions wrestlers back there. You know, days. Uh, you know Thomas Booker. You've had him on your show. Yeah, I love, love yeah. Thomas. Thomas, I think, is headed to Pittsburgh this weekend to see the Pirates. I believe it's this weekend or next weekend to see the Pirates and the Cubs play. They play in PNC. Uh, what is it? PNC Field. Anyway, beautiful stadium. Yeah. Pittsburgh at one time was a had the iron mills, you know, it wasn't a very clean, nice city now. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And if you ever visit there, you go across the interstate, you go through a tunnel. Mm-hmm. And when at the end of the tunnel, the city just opens up. It is spectacular. Uh, Thomas is the best baseball fan I've ever met. He sent me a picture last week. He was up there eating dinner with uh, Harmon Killebrew's wife in Minnesota. Yeah. And uh, he was on my show and uh, Harmon Killebrew's son was talking to us d- during the radio show, and he invited me to come up there. Never met me, and, co- yeah. and, and uh, 
he was so personable. I mean, it, it's amazing how that family has. Yeah. Thomas is able to hook on. He yeah. could run for president of the United States and probably win. Yeah, I told Thomas one day, I said, boy, you're slickering a pig with a pocket watch. And he laughed. So I think he's hung on to that. He can, uh, you know, he he's a charmer. He's a good guy, funny, got a sense of humor. Uh, yeah, he's thank a, goodness he's, for he's that. A, he's a mortician. Well, he's going to do mine. Yeah, when that. I pass away. Well, he did my mother and brother. Yeah, yeah. he did a great job. And I asked him, was it going to bother him that we were, were friends, and he's going he's going to embalm me? And uh, he said, no, it won't bother me at all. I said, you have got to be kidding me. Can you? <laughs> I, it, it just. He's got a different sense of humor on everything. He really yeah. does. Right. But he took care of all my yeah, stuff. Yeah, he, he does. He does good work. Have you already got your stuff ready to go? i probably start working on it 15 or 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I mean, I got everything set, and, and I have nothing to worry about. And, I, and I'll, I'll say this publicly. I don't want a visitation. If you look at all the people that go to visit uh, at, at a funeral, most of them, <laughs> Are as old as you are, and there they are standing, bless their hearts, with with a uh, uh, hundred people in front of them, and the person in front of them is telling their life story to the people that they're trying to make feel better. It's it's just a different situation. It's it's almost like trying to for for them. It's it's like trying to sell a county commission on all your needs and all that kind of stuff. We might want to change the subject. We're probably, we're, we might be losing listeners here. Well, I, I, your nose looks good today. Well, you know, I had a little skin cancer taken off, uh, and I, I'm going to do better. I promised uh, the dermatologist I was going to do better. I'm going to put sunscreen on now. What, number 30? Yeah. Sunscreen 30? Yeah. I love I love the sun. You I know, you and I, every summer, we wouldn't have shirts on or anything else during that time. And the sun just blazing down on us, and we never even thought about it. I know. That's that's the reason I'm having skin cancer cut off, because I, I wasn't thinking about it. So if you're a listener out there, we're, we're going to warn the listeners, you better wear your sunscreen. We've run out of time, of course. Um, I've just been dragging you through the last <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to say to anybody? Of course, we uh, today yes. is Ben Cates' uh, uh, service, and, and uh, we're saying goodbye to a really, really special fella. I call him a young man because I think he's about four or five years younger than me. But. Yeah, I do want to say something. Like you said, when we talked yesterday morning, we're going to talk about Ben, and we have. And uh, Ben was a good fella. Yeah. He was a good coach, good person. Uh, Will Jordan referred to, referred to him as a Southern gentleman, but I, I want people to know he was tough. He was competitive, uh, and I'm sure. And you respect that. Oh, absolutely. You've always respected that. Absolutely. And uh, every time I would see him uh, in recent years, we would laugh. I love to hear Ben laugh. He had yeah. this, just I don't know, this cool laugh about him. And uh, I'd. Here's a guy that lived a life, uh, a Christian, probably never smoked, never drank, just lived a healthy life, and he's no longer with us, which tells us all, you know, we've got to be prepared for that day. 
and he took care of not only the kids when he was a coach and, and, and at the school teaching, but also after he retired, he took care of the kids during the summertime and made sure that they they had things that they could go out and enjoy. So, um, Ben, we'll maybe we'll get to see you one day. Um, Harry may I pray I may I may not make it. Oh uh, well, we'll 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 draw up some X's and O's up there. We'll, yeah. we'll teach you, Ben. I'll teach you how to coach. You can never teach me how to coach. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you in the morning at nine. Good job, Harry. Oh, it's always fun with you. We're in the-